Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. In last week's episode, I had a conversation with Emily Hill on how she helps upcoming software engineers slash developers land six-figure jobs at some of the hottest companies. So to continue with this theme, I thought it'd be great to have my next guest on this podcast who successfully landed an internship at a top tech company as a software engineer. Her name is Stephanie Sue, and she is a rising sophomore at UC Berkeley and incoming software engineer intern at Meta. Previously, she interned at two startups and consulted Apple, TikTok, and Intel through Voyager Consulting. To help students land jobs, Stephanie leads professional development workshops and creates LinkedIn content for 26,000 followers. Now let's get into my discussion with Stephanie on how she landed her dream internship at Meta. Hey Steph, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. So happy to be here. Why don't you tell a little bit about yourself to the audience? Because we, we talked a bit offline and you are going to be finishing your freshman year and you've already landed an internship at one of the big fan companies. So why don't you just talk a bit about, in brief, how like what school you go to and how you were able to choose that this is where you wanted to go in terms of your career path. Yeah, definitely. So I'm Stephanie Sue. You can call me Steph. I'm a freshman at UC Berkeley studying computer science. And I've always been interested in technology for the past couple of years. I come from a software engineering family. My parents used to be software engineers and my two siblings are currently software engineers. So growing up, that was kind of the default path. But as I was exploring my career more and looking on LinkedIn, I also discovered that product management is a path that also greatly interests me and combines more of my versatile interests and skills. So in my first recruiting cycle, I was mostly applying to software and product internships. And this summer I will be a software engineer intern at Meta. How do you decide that Meta was the the right opportunity for you compared to other companies? Yeah, that's a great question. So at the end of my recruiting cycle, I was lucky to get two offers. At first I was just going to default to Meta because that was my only internship offer. So didn't need to think much about that. But I ended up also getting a product management internship offer from Intuit, which is also a fantastic company. Making the decision was incredibly tough because throughout the interview process for both companies, I really fell in love with their mission and the awesome work that they were doing. Ultimately, the decision came down to the fact that Meta was in person and in Seattle. I've been in the Bay Area all my life, and I definitely did not want to do a virtual internship for my first year. So that was that really sold me. Into it would have been remote. I heard a little bit later that they might be bringing some of their interns in person, but I wish I knew that while I was making my decision. Some other things I also considered uh, were salary. So Meta was slightly higher, but not too much to be a significant deal breaker. And I was also thinking that so being a good being a software engineer first might help me become a more effective product manager because sometimes product managers and engineers butt heads because they don't have the same technical knowledge. So I think it'd be nice to have experience in both so that I can go either way in the future. 
you actually bring up a good point in terms of uh, remote internships because I heard because of COVID, right? A, a lot of workplaces you couldn't go, uh, so it was all virtual. And a lot of university students uh, like yourself who were going to internships, whether it's you as a freshman or like third or fourth year, they really did not like the experience because they weren't getting involved in the collaboration aspect. Because you, it's hard to collaborate virtually. Do you know like friends of yours that did virtual internships and they didn't really enjoy the experience? Yeah, so I've heard just a couple of anecdotes from my friends about how they weren't able to stay connected, and it was difficult to meet people online. And having spent over two years in online school, I can confirm that it's very hard for me personally to connect and collaborate with others in a virtual environment. I've also done a couple of remote internships during the school year, and while I prefer remote internships during the school year because it allows me to be flexible, I found that I wasn't very connected to my team. So if I'm going to spend three months working at a company, I would like to have that in-person experience so that I can meet everyone and also experience office culture. You told me before that your family is software engineers. So did you just fall into it, or did you try other things before you decided that you know what software engineer is the right path for me? Yeah. So my family is all software engineers, so that was kind of the default path. And my parents' attitude is. You're going to study computer science unless you find something else that is just as lucrative and more rewarding to you. And of course, they started me programming at a very early age in sixth grade. My parents signed me up for a Python programming class that they found on WeChat, and that was my introduction to the world of computer science. Growing up, I've always been a very STEM-focused person. I love the problem-solving aspect that comes with math and computer science, and I love the ability for computer science to be used to build applications. So I ended up not finding a path that I felt was more rewarding nor lucrative than computer science. So that's kind of where I am right now. But in the past few months, I've been able to build a, quite a few software projects, and I really like that process. So I know that it's something that would be a viable career for me. A lot of professionals, like mid professionals, if they want to get into software engineering, what is your recommendation? Is it very hard to get into it? Like, is it easier to get into it at a younger age? You tend to be able to learn and adapt better than someone who's more middle-aged.、Uh, what's your thoughts on that or suggestions? In my opinion, there's never a wrong time to do anything, and there's no such thing as too early or too late. So wherever you are in your career, if you're interested in software engineering, there's so many free online classes that'll help you get started, and your first program doesn't need to be that difficult. Of course, I think there is an advantage to starting early. Some of the best programmers I know have been coding for many, many years, and at this point are probably ten or even a hundred times better than I am right now. But I don't think you should be comparing yourself to other people. As long as you decide that it's something you want to pursue, then go for it. So, what are the main coding languages that you would suggest a professional that wants to get into software engineering do? You you did mention Python. Is there like, for example, if there's one language that you need to like master before In order to build a proper portfolio to help you land a job in software engineering, what would you recommend? In my experience looking at job postings, I've seen companies request a variety of languages, and it really differs. Some languages that I see a lot are Python, Java, and C. I wouldn't say there's any one language that you need. It depends on the type of software development you want to do. But in terms of just learning how to code, Python is incredibly accessible and approachable, and still remains my favorite language. It's also really powerful. I've used it to build simple games, simple user interfaces. Right now, I'm building a dashboard in Python that uses data analysis. So I think, in terms of a first language, that would be the one I recommend. Are you only able to have one language and get a job, or like because when people look at 
job ads, right? It's never just one language. It's always like a multiple languages. Do you think it's a hindrance to just have one before you start job searching? Or do you think it's more of a wish list? And as long as you master one, you should be okay. From what I've read online, job descriptions are often a wish list. I myself am not too experienced with software recruiting because it's only been my first internship cycle, but I would say having several languages benefits you because there are differences in between languages and reasons why a company would prefer one over the other or they would use a multitude of them. For, in my experience for Meta, I only needed to know one language just to pass the interviews, which is Python, because even then, Meta uses a language called hack that they created themselves it's a dialect of another language called php and coming into the internship they don't expect anybody to have knowledge of it because literally no one uses it outside of meta so it doesn't really matter what language you use for the interviews as long as you have a solid mastery of one however that might not be the case for other companies if they want you or if this company uses a very popular language such as like java or c that people typically learn in their college classes then it's important to have a good understanding of that. So overall, it definitely varies between companies and the languages and tech stacks that they use. Great. And so you, you talk about recruiting cycle, right? So how does that work? Uh, so you you go to school, I'm assuming in September, your first year at UC Berkeley. When do you realize that it's time to start looking for internships? I found that most companies start posting around August and I did start college around mid-August, but for the first few weeks and even the first few months, I was just trying to alchemate to the new environment. So I did start applying a little bit late, which was in October. Of course, you can start after that and still get a job. There are companies, plenty of companies recruiting through April, but for the most part, the applications are released in August. So you correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, usually when it comes to like looking for uh, interns, Companies tend to want like third or fourth years because what because they're close to graduation. So then once the internship's complete, they would give you they would give them an offer and then they would be full time when they graduate. So did you feel like you were a bit uh, unqualified, so to speak, because you were a first year and you still had a few years of school left? Or how did you combat that myth if it is one? Yeah, absolutely. Most job descriptions I look at request juniors and seniors, and it makes a lot of sense. What is the incentive to for a company to hire someone who's incredibly young versus someone who may be a little bit older, have more experience, and also can create more impact at their company? So I did experience a lot of challenges simply being a first year. One advantage that I did have is I can complete my degree in three years, and right now I'm not thinking of double majoring, so I could still list myself as a sophomore. Some companies don't want even sophomores. So that didn't clear all of the challenges that came with age. But I would say that one of the bigger challenges to being a freshman is simply the lack of experience that comes with only having been in college for a couple of months. I would say that was probably the biggest hindrance versus just my age because I did not have nearly as many software engineering projects. And I certainly did not have internship experience that juniors and seniors may have. So how did you uh, combat this? The great thing about being a freshman is that there are some dedicated programs for underclassmen. Many of the large fan companies have it. For example, Meta has Meta University, Google has Google Step, Microsoft has their Explore program, Uber has Uber Star. Most of these are catered towards first and second years that don't have a lot of experience and the one and tend to come from underrepresented backgrounds. So that was a great place to start. But of course, because these programs are specifically catering to underclassmen and there's not that many out there, they're also incredibly selective. So I didn't even hear back from three out of four of the programs that I just listed. The only one I heard back one heard back from was Meta University. It's because they automatically send an assessment to everyone. 
So outside of underclassmen programs, it just depends on shooting your shot or networking. For me, I did a lot of shotgunning because I thought it was a little bit late in the cycle to try to build up relationships from scratch and try to get those referrals. There was also partially imposter syndrome because I really felt bad asking people for referrals when I did not consider myself to be qualified for the job. And I felt that like attaching my name to somebody else's referral might make them look bad if I end up being a bad candidate. So the main way I combated was just applying to as many places as possible and seeing what stuck. Of course, that led to a lot of applications and hardly any interviews, but luckily it worked out in the end. You bring up a good point in terms of you were already late in the cycle, so you realize that networking might not be the right play because it takes time to like build up the connections, right? So if you are have a tight te- uh, tight timeline to apply the jobs, applying online and shotgunning maybe your best approach at that point because as I just mentioned, networking does take it could say a few months to build that relationship to get you a referral in, and you knew that you didn't have that amount of time so you end up just like shotgunning hoping for the best which did end up working out for you yeah exactly i would say now that i have a little bit more time before my next recruiting cycle i'm trying to start networking now which feels a little bit early but i think it's best to start networking as early as possible because you don't want to force a relationship that's going to be weird on the other person's end and also might make it more difficult for you to ask for referrals so if i could go back in time i would definitely have started networking earlier so walk us through the, the setup in terms of like, because I, I know like on LinkedIn that you said you applied to the 80 uh, places. Walk us through how you crafted your resume and, and LinkedIn, because as you mentioned, you didn't have a lot of experience going into UC Berkeley. You did do some, uh, you said underclassmen program, right? Yeah, I applied to underclassmen programs. Okay. Yeah. So how did you like build up your resume before you started applying or did you start applying and update the resume at the same time? Yeah, it was more of the latter. Coming into college, my primary experience was a product internship at an ed tech startup, as well as leading my student organization. So most of those experiences were in high school and weren't the most pertinent to software engineering. Luckily, in my first semester of college, I also joined a club called Voyager Consulting, which consults Fortune 500 companies. So in my first semester, I was working with Apple and TikTok on competitor research and data analysis, and those technical skills helped me to fill out my resume a little bit more. I would say that even when I was applying, my resume wasn't the best fit for the jobs I was applying to. I kept seeing advice online about like tailoring your resume to the role, but I was like, I simply don't have experience related to the job description, so it's not like I can do much with that. So throughout the year, while I was working on these Apple and TikTok projects, I was updating my resume wherever possible, trying to make it sound as technical as I could. And most of the resume advice that I've gotten has been through LinkedIn. I've been using LinkedIn for several years now, so I have a general sense of the most common resume tips. I found a lot of great guides online that helped me build my resume. In hindsight, I probably should have gotten older people to look over it. So that was one thing I would change about the process, but that's the main way I created my resume. So as I mentioned, you applied to 80 places. Did you ever feel discouraged in the process? Because 80 is a lot, right? So... Uh, how did you like combat the disappointment when you were not hearing from these companies? You're getting ghosted or you're getting uh, rejections? Yeah, so one valuable lesson I learned last year, mostly with college rejections, is that with each rejection you get, it's easier to move on from them. So while I did receive a lot of rejections, I just looked at the email like, okay, great, let's move on. I wasn't particularly attached to one company too much because I wasn't even selected for the interviewing process. So it was, it's not like I invested more than five minutes of effort. 
So my advice to job seekers that are being discouraged is to not place too much weight on any one application until you either get an interview or have the opportunity to be, to be more connected with the company. I think it's best not to have any attachment because ultimately these companies are looking out for themselves. They're not looking out for you personally. So a rejection is not a personal decision. I did feel a little bit discouraged when I started seeing more and more students on LinkedIn posting about their internships, and I was wondering like, when and if I was ever going to get one myself. But instead of trying to bring myself down to that, I looked at these other students who were posting about their internships as a sign that it is still possible for me. So when I look to other people's accomplishments, I try to use them as a benchmark of what's possible versus something to compare myself by, and that was one thing that motivated me to keep on going because certainly these students that got internships early still face a lot of rejection and that's just a part of the process. Yeah, so like all, all those like I'm happy to announce with a picture of them like in front of the their building of their internship. It, it felt discouraging, right? But as you said, like they've all had a lot of fears as well to get to that point. So in a way that helped you like say that you want to have that success story too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like one thing that I have been working on for the past few months is just trying to compare myself with others as little as possible because it's not very productive. And I think especially when job searching, it's not really great to be beating yourself down like that because at the end of the day, you're your biggest advocate. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's very difficult to convince others to. Absolutely. So you had those 80 applications. You wrote that you got four responses back for assessments, right? So can you walk us through like... The four of them and, and you also mentioned that you actually withdrew two of them during the process so uh, why don't you elaborate more on, on that journey that part of the journey yeah so the four companies i heard back from were meta intuit amazon and gemini which is a crypto startup started by the winklevoss brothers if you've heard of them they're kind of famous for butting heads with mark zuckerberg like um they like zuckerberg allegedly stole the idea of facebook from them when they were in harvard so those were the four companies that re- that I was reached out to. I think I received one more online assessment from Gap. Not sure if I ended up doing that, but I think those are the four online assessments that I was referencing. So I did all those assessments and Meta was the first one that came up. I actually did my Meta online assessment before I'd done any leak coding at all. So thankfully, by the time that I got the other assessments, I'd already done like 50, 60 leak code questions. So they didn't feel nearly as challenging. And then while I was interviewing, I got the interviews at Meta and Intuit. And I was trying to like pressure Amazon to move a little bit faster to give me my interview. But unfortunately, like the hiring process was a little bit slow. So I had to pull out of that and Gemini because I had already gone to offers. Oh, got it. So, so basically Amazon took a, a bit longer than you wanted. You already got the offer so they couldn't, I'm assuming the companies couldn't wait anymore. And then the other one was still early in the process. So you didn't bother at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I hadn't received any interviews from Gemini or Amazon yet. I was under the impression that I would receive them based off of like my interaction with recruiters. But for Amazon, I waited three weeks and I didn't think waiting another week was going to do that much. So I was like, maybe I'll just try again next year, but I'm really happy with the offers that I've already gotten. And walk us through how you prepared for these interviews. So you're in the technical space, right? As a software engineer. So you had technical tests, right? So can you walk us through how you prepared for an interview such as Meta? Because I'm assuming when it comes to interviews at these fan companies that the interview process is very intense, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Though, when I was browsing online, like, I get a lot of my knowledge from Reddit because that's where there's a giant community of computer science students. And as someone who is pretty new to the space, I kind of relied on the internet to find out more about the interview process. So I actually heard that, like, in comparison to some other more selective companies like fintech companies, Meta isn't the most difficult out there, but it is definitely challenging. And especially for me, since I had never done any interviews before. So just a brief overview of what the interview process looks like. It's two technical interviews that are 45 minutes each. And within each interview, there are two Likud style data structures and algorithms questions. So the best way to prepare here is truly just to leak code and try to leak code strategically. There are plenty of great resources out there, such as the Blind 75 or the Abridged Blind 50, that walk through common topics and data structures that show up in these questions and help you to build an intuition and start recognizing patterns. Being able to recognize and pattern match is also a really important part of DSA because questions, once you've seen a bunch of them, they start looking about the same to you. You're applying mostly the same techniques. So the practice the practice is really important so you know like when to use certain skills. The way I practice was mostly just lead coding as much as I possibly could. I didn't go in with a strategy, though I wish I did. I started just like blindly doing some questions for fun to get myself accustomed to the platform. And then I also use LeetCode's list of top 50 Facebook tagged questions. So for anyone who hasn't heard of the tagged questions, LeetCode Premium gives you access to lists of questions that are commonly asked at companies. And oftentimes, LeetCode users, once they go through interviews at these companies, they will mark down all of the questions that they were asked in an interview, just so other users can see how prevalent they are and how important it is to get to know them. So I completed almost all of the top 50 Facebook questions. And then I did a couple of the DSA questions that Meta has on their career platform. So all in all, I solved around 90 questions. I revisited most of them once, and I also tracked each question solution uh, with a brief explanation in a notion tracker just to make sure I truly understood the question before moving on. So that was the main process for Meta. Can you elaborate more on LeetCode for people who are not familiar? Oh, definitely. So LeetCode is an online platform for solving coding questions. The most common type are data structures and algorithms because they appear a lot in interviews. I think LeetCode also has some options such as like SQL that I'm not very familiar with. And LeetCode is also the most common platform that aspiring software engineers use to prepare for their prepare for their interviews. So it's kind of synonymous for the interview grind. You said it was two rounds of technical interviews at 45 minutes each, right? Yes. How did you like time yourself? Because I'm assuming like there's a lot of questions in, in these assessments. So how did you time yourself to ensure that you didn't run out of time to finish the test? Yeah, so there, so the 45 minutes was for the interview itself. And with that, the interviewer was mostly the one keeping the pace around halfway through the interview. If I didn't solve a question, which happened in my second interview, then the interviewer was like, I'm sorry, we have to move on. And then we go to the next question. So it isn't really a matter of timing yourself in those situations. However, when it comes to online assessments, which you do time yourself, nobody else is proctoring you. Like the main thing is just moving as fast as you possibly can. And if you get stuck on a question too long, try moving on to something else. So when it comes to those questions, like is there like, do they just evaluate, evaluate you on if you have the right answer or if you've gone through it far enough and they know your thought process, it's okay? Yeah, so it was my impression for Meta that you didn't need to have the right answer. 
in my second interview, I didn't, I had an answer for each question, but it wasn't the best answer, the most efficient one, and the one that my interviewer was looking for. So when it comes to technical interviews, in addition to just answering it correctly, although it is very ideal for you to solve the question because that does put you a bunch in front of other candidates, another purpose of these technical interviews is simply to see how you think and how you work through challenges. Technical interviews don't accurately simulate what you do as a software engineer. Nobody's going to sit you down for 45 minutes and ask you to solve like a challenge question and that's going to be part of your job. So I would say like the interview process is very distinct from what you actually do. And because of that, interviewers tend to evaluate you on the skills that actually transfer between the interview and real life. And for that, I think it's having a coachable attitude, having an eagerness to learn and being detail oriented and being able to spot bugs in your code independently without your interviewer having to prompt you. So besides getting the right answer, you don't always have to do that, but it is very important to show how you would act like on the job with those behavioral skills that I mentioned earlier. Were there any behavioral questions involved inside the technical interview or no? My interviews were purely technical. Uh, Meta doesn't ask any behavioral questions for its interns, but I know that other companies might embed behavioral questions into their interviews like Amazon does. Depending on who you are, that may be more of a blessing than a curse, so to speak, because some people do struggle with behavioral questions. They're more into the technical. So did you like that there was no behavioral questions at all, or would you have preferred a few more, or were you more interested in like solving the problem uh, with te a technical interview? I feel a little bit mixed on this one because for behavioral questions, the top questions that I was most scared of being asked were like, what projects have you done in the past? Because at that point, I had mostly done class projects. So knowing that there weren't any behavioral questions kind of eased the stress for me because I knew that I wouldn't be like backed to a corner like that and having to answer a question I know that I don't have a really great answer for. And another great thing about technical interviews, in my opinion, is you know what you're preparing for. Even though you can't see the question in advance, and there's still a good chance that you see something and you're like, what the heck, I've never seen anything like that before. Technical interviews have a really clear, like, I guess, method for preparing, whereas for behaviorals, the sky's the limit, they can ask you literally anything. So I think it was better for me and helped to alleviate my stress, even though like technical interviews were pretty stressful as is. And once the last interview was done, how long did it take them to get back to you with an offer? It only took one week. Oh, that's pretty good. So remind me, so did you get the meadow first and then into it, or did you come around the same time? I started my first interview. It was kind of a screen with a PM on the team from Intuit. So I had a screen, and then I had my meta final interview, I think, in the same week. My meta final interview was on a Monday, and my first screen was on a Wednesday. A week later, I got my offer from Meta. So then I messaged my interview recruiter and I was like, hey, I have this offer. Could we please expedite this process? So I waited a couple of days. They gave me an interview basically as soon as they could. And right after my interview, they sent me the offer within an hour. <laughs> they, they really wanted you at that point. Yeah, which made me feel extra bad about turning them down. Like my interviewer even connected with me on LinkedIn and that like never happens. But again, like you said, you you assessed everything. Um, Meta did pay a bit higher, and you thought that this would be the right approach, right? R right approach for your the for for the first step, first phase of your career. Yeah, I also got some advice from like family members and my friend who had mentored me throughout the entire interview process, and he's like, "Steph, I'm sorry, but there's no way you're going to be turning down Facebook." And my family also seem to agree. They honestly didn't even care about my Intuit offer. They're like, cool, now accept Meta. So 
for most people that I asked, it was a no-brainer decision, which kind of influenced my own decision. Of course, I was leaning towards Veda, but having all these other trusted people in my life confirm that it was the right decision, helped me feel more confident in that. Yeah, it's the power of brand, right? Yeah, Intuit's a great company, but again, like Meta, Google, like those are the top ones that like every software engineer wants to work for, right? Yeah, I would say that definitely played a factor in this. I felt that my internship is not only just a learning experience, but also sets me up for what I want to do in the future. And in terms of future prospects, I thought that Meta would open more doors. Ultimately, that wasn't a deciding factor for me, but I know that was really significant to the quote stakeholders in my life. So still had a big influence. When you start your internship at Meta? I start May 23rd. So in like two, three weeks. And we talked offline, you have finals next week, right? Yes, I do. And after finals, I have one week to pack up my life and move to Seattle. And how long is the internship? Like four months and then you come back to uh, the Bay Area for your second year? Yeah, I. it's a three-month internship, 12 weeks. And after my internship ends on August 12th, I have like one week. Or no, I actually have five days before I have to start my school year. And... Obviously, we're, 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 we're talking far ahead, but is there an opportunity for you to come back for your second year at the end if you do well, or is, is that not in the discussion right now? Yeah, I think a lot of Facebook interns end up getting a return offer. So this summer, that's going to be one of my main goals because having an offer in hand will drastically simplify the recruiting process and also help me narrow down the list of companies that I focus my energy in. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout this uh, experience that you've had from like applying, taking Meta's underclassmen program. Uh, what are some of the learning lessons that you've uh, gained during this job search? And what can you tell for people that are in school that haven't even gotten their first internship or they're struggling in their job search to help them land that job when they are about to graduate university? The common and best piece of advice I have is to start early, but that's not very helpful for others because sometimes by the time you hear that advice, there's not much you can do. So right now, if job seekers already have an opportunity, then I would say it's a little bit too early to like cut off the brakes and stop recruiting. I think networking is incredibly important and it's something that should be done year round. So if you have that offer already, just keep it going because it's much easier to start where you left off versus having to go through the entire process again. Now, if you're not at that stage and you're still job searching, I think another great thing is thinking about how can I make myself stand out? So one way you can do that is on your resume. You can have projects that nobody else has, internships that nobody else has, or you can also phrase the experiences you already have to emphasize your impact, which helps you differentiate from others. So that's on the resume part. But then when it comes to actually applying, think about what others aren't doing. So most people, like I did in my freshman year, just a cold applied to a lot of jobs, never followed up with any recruiters, and likely got lost in a sea of resumes. So one great tip that I found online is to try to find the recruiter for the role by looking at their LinkedIn content, um, doing a little bit of filtering, and reaching out to them first. Because the more you can do to make yourself stand out in a positive light, the better. Then my last piece of advice is mostly mindset. It's really difficult, but try not to compare yourself to other people. Or if anything, if you're looking at other people's accomplishments, use that as a benchmark of seeing what is possible versus something to compare yourself with. Because if other people in a similar place to you 
is are able to accomplish something, that means you have the ability of doing that too. So one thing you can do is when people are making these announcement posts, as much as I personally don't like reading those posts, they can be very insightful because sometimes people talk about the challenges they face in getting that offer or they tag their recruiter, which is someone you can reach out to. Another thing you can do is when people make these posts, you can reach out to them, ask for a chat, or just ask a couple of questions about what they did to get from basically your current place to where they are. So overall, it's all about staying persistent and being eager to learn at every step of the way and also making yourself stand up positively. Just to touch upon what you said about like reaching out to recruiters, uh, a lot of big companies such as Meta, they have recruiters that focus on campus recruiting. So you shouldn't just target like any recruiter because different recruiters specialize in different areas. But there are companies out there that have a huge recruitment strategy where they actually have specific recruiters that focus on like campus recruitment. It, it, would that be accurate? Yeah, definitely. So for Meta, I know that UC Berkeley has two recruiters um, and that I worked with personally. And now that we're in kind of the onboarding process, since it's a couple weeks before the internship, those two recruiters are also in charge of communications with all UC Berkeley students. One way that I would find your campus's recruiters is by looking up students from your school that intern at the companies you're interested in in similar roles and looking through their content. I would say like five times out of 10, they're going to be tagging the recruiter in the post to just thank them or to show gratitude. And that is a great way to figure out who the recruiter for your school is. Another thing that's a little bit more difficult is honestly just looking up a bunch of university recruiters from the schools that you, the companies that you want to go to and seeing if they list which schools that they recruit for in their LinkedIn description. Most of the time they don't, but sometimes you can get lucky. You can also guess based off their geographic location. Like if there's a recruiter based in SF, there's a good chance they might recruit from Berkeley. So you kind of have to be creative with their strategies. But I would say that reaching out to recruiters is a great way to stand out. So let's talk about your personal brand on LinkedIn for a second. You've uh, accumulated over 25,000 followers. So how did you go about like starting your journey on LinkedIn, creating content and like growing your audience? I started creating content on LinkedIn in 11th grade in high school. At the time, I had no professional experience and honestly didn't know if I had much to contribute to the space. However, I saw an opportunity to help student organization leaders like myself. So at the time, I was leading an organization called Superposition. I'm still involved with it now. It's an organization that aims to bridge the gender gap in STEM through events, chapters, and mentorship. My very first post that wasn't just like strictly an advertisement was talking about a time where I wanted to get help in launching Superposition's chapter program. And to do that, I had coffee chats with other student leaders, and I felt that was incredibly helpful. So I opened up my calendar to any student leaders that wanted to chat, and I ended up getting 20 requests from that. So from that post, I realized that there is a large audience of students on LinkedIn who may want advice, but don't have anybody to get that from or don't have a resource. So that was one way that inspired me to post more on LinkedIn because I was able to help others at scale instead of just doing one-on-one -on -one chats. Of course, my brand has grown significantly since then, mostly correlated to my professional experience. Once I landed my first high school internship, a lot of my content revolved around that and it did incredibly well. I also made a post about how I got rejected from most of my, quote, dream schools or like top choice universities. And a lot of people resonate with that. Now I mostly post about student life and internships. And I would say that I gained most of my following just by sheer luck. Most of my posts came from most of my followers came from viral posts, such as like announcing my meta internship. 
So it's been a long time in the making, my personal brand, and it's really grown in the past few months. So yeah, that's been pretty exciting. So just to take a step back, you got rejected at some of your uh, dream schools. Did that actually prepare you for getting rejected when you were job searching? Oh, absolutely. Because after I got rejected from a lot of my dream schools, I felt that I was a little bit more resilient to like, quote, negativity or rejection. A few months after I got rejected from all those schools, I was rejected from a summer program that almost everyone I knew got into. I was rejected from a conference and some other opportunities. But instead of being extremely sad about it, as I would be in the past, I looked at the email and I was like, well, this isn't as bad. So time to move on. So I would say that like getting rejected from the schools helped prepare me to get rejected from other places, but also getting rejected from jobs, in my opinion, was a lot easier than getting rejected from schools because I did not have to pour hours and hours into the application. So what's uh, so what's next for you? You got your uh, meta internship that you're starting in a few weeks after your finals, and then you have your personal brand of twenty five over 25,000 followers on LinkedIn. So what's the next uh, step for you in the next uh, couple of years? In the next couple of years, I'm definitely thinking of building out my career. That has been one thing that has been at the forefront of my priorities. Right now, I'm thinking of trying a product management internship next summer at a company whose product I actually use. Currently, my like top choice companies, I guess, would be like Google and LinkedIn because I use their products on a daily basis and it would be awesome to make a tangible impact on something that I could potentially use. In the long term, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Right now, startup culture is something that's very interesting to me. I don't necessarily have my billion-dollar idea quite yet, but I really like how the space is so innovative and disruptive, and there's so many cool things going on there. So I do plan to get some experience interning at startups, perhaps during the school year. And then after college, right now the goal is to become a product manager, but I know that's going to change as I get more internship experience throughout the years. So you said that you want to intern or work at companies that you use the products uh, a lot more. So I'm assuming you don't use Facebook or Instagram at all? Oh, yeah, I definitely use those. And I wish I got the opportunity to work on those. Um, Since I'm being placed in Seattle, there's far fewer teams than the headquarters in Menlo Park. And I think the only like social media app that's based at at the Seattle office was Messenger, or at least the only one that had a significant team. Unfortunately, I did not get to work on this, but it would have been incredibly cool. Awesome. What are some additional job search resources that you can list out here to help people who need some direction if they're struggling with their uh, job search currently? Yeah. So first is just finding jobs in the first place. I mainly use LinkedIn and Handshake. Next is building out the like your resume and your cover letter. I would say OneSulting has some fantastic templates that are for free on their website. For resume building, the tool specifically I use is called flowcv.io. I've been using it for three years and it has been such a godsend in my opinion. It helps me build a resume very easily. It looks nice, very clean, and also tells me exactly what sections I need and what info I need to fill in. So I've been recommending it to so many people. When applying for jobs, now that you've gotten your resume, one tool I would very much recommend is called Simplify. I wish I found it much earlier, but it's basically a Google Chrome extension that autofills your job applications so that you don't need to fill out the same exact information like 80 times like I did. Saves a lot of time and it is really cool to use. And then for interview prep specifically, I'm most familiar with software engineering. So 
I'm just going to list out everything that I used. For lead coding, there were a couple of compilation of lead code questions that I found to be particularly helpful. The first is called Sean Prashad lead code patterns. The next was the blind 75 and blind 50. I even made a post about these job resources that I use that I'd be happy to link. And then for interviewing, if you don't have anyone in your immediate community that can help you do mock interviews, then some tools that I've seen other people use are called interviewing.io and Pramp. I think interviewing.io is paid, but Pramp is free and matches you with other aspiring software engineers that need interviewing help. So those are just some of the many resources I would recommend. But in terms of the one I used most uh, actively during my recruiting process, it was flowcv.io and just job websites. Awesome. Uh, and I want to end this uh, podcast with one last question for you. Uh, you have uh, really dived into your uh, journey and I hope a lot of my listeners got a lot of insights in terms of how to improve their job search success. So as you know, my podcast is about helping professionals overcome common tr- career challenges. For you, what has been one big career challenge that you had to face throughout your journey, whether it's getting into UC Berkeley, going through the job search process or any other uh, career obstacles that you would like to share? What was the main challenge that you faced and what were the steps that you took to get to where you are today? Right now, I would say the biggest challenge that I faced was kind of going from zero to one in terms of my interview prep for Meta. Prior to getting my interview at Meta, I knew almost nothing about lead coding and I felt like I had such a large mountain to climb in terms of getting myself up to par and feeling confident enough to just like interview for this big internship. So I tried to make an actionable plan to make sure the whole process seemed more approachable. So first off, I broke it into, well, first, what does lead code look like? Like, what are a couple of easy questions I can do to get myself familiar in the space? Next, what are some important topics that I should cover in my lead code questions? After that, what are like some important lists of questions that I should try to do to get a diverse array of experience? So that was like the top Facebook tagged. And then after that is now that I have the skills to do lead code, how can I translate that to the interview? So that's when I started doing mock interviews with my friend to make sure that I understood how that interview process worked. So overall, it was a very large challenge for me. I spent a month and a half preparing. I kind of prioritized my interviewing over academics and basically every other commitment. So I'm really glad that it worked out. And like coming into this process, I had little to no confidence in my lead coding abilities. I didn't even think I could get the internship. I was like, I'm lucky to even be interviewing at this company. But breaking everything down into a list of actionable steps made the process so much less intimidating. And that's a strategy I would recommend to all job seekers. Great. Again, I appreciate your time in sharing your story. And how can people connect with you to learn more about your journey or if they want to reach out for a coffee chat to get some advice. The best way to contact me is on my LinkedIn. It's just Stephanie Sue. My tagline's about me being a student at UC Berkeley, so you can easily find me there. Other than that, you can email me at stephsue at berkeley.edu if you want to chat or have any other specific questions. Again, really appreciate you uh, giving some time to us for you to share your story on how you got into Meta, and I wish you the best of luck in your internship in a couple of weeks. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a great time chatting. Thank you again to Stephanie for sharing her career journey on how she was able to successfully land a software engineering internship at Meta. 
If you want to hear my own thoughts and insights based on the main topic discussed in this episode, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, if you are a professional that's looking to take your career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I post content on the job search and advice to help you with career advancement. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. This is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.